When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming up on today's show, more studios are being bought and sold, Star Wars Day happened, and Alexa Ray is back. everybody and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I am Andrea Renee, joined by Alexa Ray Korea. Hi, everybody. It's so good to have Hello. you back, friend. Thank you for <laughs> joining me. As I mentioned on Twitter, if y'all follow me, Brittany is out this week. And so I messaged Alexa and said, hey, I know you were just on the show, but I heard... You might be having just a tiny bit of free time that you could lend to us here at What's Good Games. You know, your former friends. Well, I guess active <laughs> friends, former colleagues. My active friends, former <laughs> colleagues. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I do. And I was like, yeah, man, bring me on. Love it. Put me in, Love coach. Chatting with you guys. I'm ready to play today. So <laughs> I mentioned that you have some free time, and that's because you are a recently freelanced narrative designer. Is that accurate? I have. Uh, I left Sledgehammer Games this week, and I have, will have more to say on my adventure soon. But for now, I am just a rogue agent. <laughs> Oh, I like that you use the word rogue because it is Star Wars Day. So if you're listening to the podcast on Friday, obviously May the 4th happened earlier in the week, but I wore my Star Wars shirt that I never get to wear and I actually did my makeup. Alexa, can you believe it? I had it time so nice. to sit down and actually like put eyeshadows on and feel like a person again. It, it felt uh, it felt good to take some time to do makeup. So I've ha I've talked about this on the show before that I've kind of fallen down a TikTok rabbit hole. And one of the TikTok oh my god genres that I watch a lot of is makeup tutorials. Even though I don't really wear makeup most days of the week, but I just love watching it. And I feel like as a woman at this point of my life, there's so much that I f should have known like a decade ago. Yeah, and I didn't learn until just now and I have envy for all of the people who enjoy wearing you know facial paint coming up now that are going to have all these badass techniques that I am just learning I gotta say the thing I am the most angry about that I learned again from TikTok shamed by TikTok <laughs> um I always have a really hard time with like primer foundation like I sweat a lot and so when I put like that first sheen layer on immediately I'm like feel like I have a mask on my face and I'm like oh my god I can't I can't <laughs> and someone on TikTok was like have you considered uh tints and I was like a tint. So I went out and bought a tint and I was like, shit, where's this been my whole life? And then someone else was like, here's another pro tip. Mix your tint with a moisturizer and just put it on your face, which is what I did today. And I'm like, 
Jesus Christ, like my whole life, I've been sweating for nothing. All those sweaty days, carrying that stuff around in my purse. I have a very vivid memory of being at Tokyo Game Show, like trying to move very slowly so I didn't oh. sweat off all my foundation because I was Game filming Show. that day. So hot. <laughs> Too hot. <sighs> Too hot. Move the day. It's too hot. Well, I'm glad that you've also discovered something from TikTok. It's enriching our lives, just one 15-second video at a time. Enriching um, and, and definitely rooting. <laughs> well, I think that's definitely to be debated. But what's not to be debated is the wonderful people over at patreon.com slash what's good games who are supporting our show, like this month's Patreon producers, Chewy's Gatsun, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, Matthew Coderre, and Punkdefied. Thank you so much for supporting us, and thank you to everybody at patreon.com slash what's good games for hanging with us through thick and thin. I know that it's been a rough couple of months uh, with Brittany and I had a feeling a little MIA. So I wanted to just give you guys a shout out. And speaking of shout outs, I also wanted to take the time to say thank you to everybody who is in the What's Good Games Discord. I recently connected with our awesome mod team. Thank you to all of our mods for donating all of their time to help us about the survey that we asked you guys to fill out back in February. And I have read all of your feedback. So thank you to everybody who took the time to fill that out and I will be going over that with Britt when she is back and hopefully we'll be able to enact some of the stuff that you guys suggested but in the meantime please mark your calendars for Saturday May 14th as that is our alleged <laughs> what's good games five-year anniversary celebration that we will have more details on at the beginning of next week so I just wanted to yeah give a shout out to everybody so thank you for that and Today's show is brought to you by Me Undies and HelloFresh, but I'll tell you more about that later. For now, let's get into Star Wars Day News Roundup. And Alexa, I have to be honest. Yay. I thought there was going to be more news today, and there wasn't really that much news. I'm very underwhelmed. I am extremely right? underwhelmed by today's news. <sighs> what do you think of Where, the Obi-Wan like trailer? Um, I didn't, didn't know Camille Nanjani was in that. He just announced it today. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Now I'm doubly interested. I don't know. I, um, I remember reading a story or a news report a couple of months back where the original uh, draft story for the Obi-Wan series was, quote unquote, not hopeful enough and that it was a little darker. Okay. And I was like... I want the darker version because you know what literally comes after chronologically in the Obi-Wan series? A new hope. Like, literally, the hope is coming. You can wait a little bit for the hope. <laughs> the um, hope is coming. I'm, yeah, I'm a really big, like, I'm a big fan of what they're doing with the IP in terms of building out, like, the fallout of Order 66 and how we're kind of learning, like, oh, actually, like, 10 Padawans survived and went out into the wilderness of the universe and did all different things and set all these different events in motion. And I honestly don't really care about like Luke Skywalker anymore. Like no offense to Mark Hamill. He's amazing, but like kind of over that story. Um, I really don't want to be on Tatooine. I'm so sick of Tatooine. I think we all like, are very, very <laughs> I, I, over Tatooine. I'm like, I'm like done with it. And I just think that, like, I'm excited to see the Inquisitors, and I'm glad that we're getting, like, another badass female Inquisitor, which a lot of that stuff is coming and directly tied to Jedi Fallen Order, the video game. But I just, like, I don't really know that I have, that I need 
Obi-Wan and Vader to me. I don't know, like, other than what we see in, like, the films, I don't know that we need any of that catharsis. I don't know that it's necessary, but, like, we'll see. This is honestly not the take I was (laughs) expecting from you, but I am with you that I could never have seen Hayden Christensen's Vader in a movie again and been perfectly fine, right? Like, he was capital F fine. <laughs> like yes. I didn't think he was bad. I didn't think he was good. He was fine. <laughs> um wait, what did you think my take was going to be? I thought that you would be I don't know, a little bit more excited about Ewan McGregor. Maybe that's <laughs> just cuz I think he's wonderful and I'm excited to see him. He's lovely. In something again cuz it feels like I haven't seen him like in a big role like that mm-hmm. in a while. I know he's obviously still been working, but um not as in high profile stuff. So I'm excited to to watch this limited series and see kind of what happens. So uh, I know we don't normally talk about TV on this show, but I wanted to call it out because we are talking a little bit about Star Wars Day. And the video game news was a little wah wah. Fortnite has lightsabers back. Cool. Lightsabers are back oh, in Fortnite. Um, only for two weeks, though. And then for Lego Star Lame. Wars, the Skywalker Saga, which is doing excellent. They announced some really great sales numbers. They have two new DLC packs for The Mandalorian and Star Wars The Bad Batch, which is available now. Two character packs bring it to 10 new playable characters, including Ahsoka, Boba Fett, Bo-Katan, Fennec Shan, Moff Gideon, and Hunter, Wrecker, Tech, Crosshair, and Echo. So I know nothing about the Bad Batch. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, Bad Bad Batch is probably my favorite Star Wars thing to happen in the last two years. Okay, I've heard good I love, things I love it. People. I love it so much. It's the the top level pitch for it is like, yeah, it's more clones, but the cinematography of that show and the way that it treats like interpersonal relationships and people growing, gro- growing together and growing apart during this time of political upheaval is, I think, really relevant and really like it's it spoke to me and I know it spoke to a lot of people. So like everyone, please go watch Bad Batch. It's so good. All right. Well, what a ringing <laughs> endorsement. I'm he- I'm here for that. Um, The other little bit of news that I wanted to show you guys, one second while I pull up the the B-roll for it, um, is that Xbox announced some custom consoles. So they, let me read this little blob first because I'm working against myself on these screens here. (laughs) To celebrate May the 4th, a.k.a. Star Wars Day, Microsoft has announced a new sweepstakes in partnership with Lucasfilm, through which fans can win a custom Star Wars-themed Xbox console, 12 unique Xbox Series S consoles, each focused on a character from the nine Star Wars Skywalker Saga movies themed around Lego. So have you you taken a look at these? Look at these. They're pretty cute. I'm not going to lie. I saw the Xbox account tweet out that photoshopped picture of the Xbox as a gonk droid. And that's the Xbox I want. I want that one. <laughs> let me <laughs> let me see if I can find that. If I can find that one. I want it. It's not fair. Like they gotta stop. Uh, they gotta stop posting is. this stuff that I can't have. Here it is. I would pay 
I would pay a stupid amount of money for this. And I mean it. I don't <laughs> think that this would be that hard to do. All you need to do is get a 3D printer to make the feet. And then you just stick it underneath the Xbox. Oh my gosh. I don't have a 3D printer, but if anybody listening to this wants to 3D print me some gonk feet, I will love <laughs> you forever. <laughs> I want uh, it. I want it. You gonk. Yeah. So shout cute. out to the Xbox social media team. They definitely do a great job. Um, another thing that got announced um, in the gaming sphere that I, it's a little bit of a head scratcher to me, but I have to admit it looks really cool is this new Razer controller. So Razer teamed up with uh. Xbox and Star Wars to create another custom controller. So this isn't the first one. They had some for the Mandalorian as well. But it looks like the face of a Stormtrooper. And it comes with an Imperial Stormtrooper magnetic attached charging dock. And the black and white colorway of the controller just looks really nice. Um, some of the other um, controllers that they have are in the Star Wars line. Let me show you the other ones really quick. Are, as you can mm. see here, the um, the Boba Fett mask. And then you have the black and yellow of the logo. And then, oh my gosh, what is the silver one? Is that is that the Mandalorian? That's Beskar Mandalorian? Oh, yeah. So that's, yeah. maybe that's Mando's armor. Um, I just... Okay. <laughs> so I thought these looked really cool. What I didn't think looked really cool, Alexa, was their price tag. How much do you think these controllers are? I don't know, 70 bucks? That's, oh, shit. Is it more? Oh, it's a lot more. So the regular color waves of the Xbox One slash Series S controllers are sixty four ninety nine. So they announced a pink right. one this week, too, which I was like, yes, yeah. want. The regular controllers are $59.99. Mm -hmm. These Razer special edition controllers start at $159. The Stormtrooper one was listed Excuse? at MSRP <laughs> for $179.99. And the there's a no wait, a hundred and no, no, that $179.99 was the Captain America one that they announced like a week or two ago. The <laughs> the Stormtrooper one is listed at $190. I think it's $189.99 or $199.99. And I was like, wait, um, wait, 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 wait. Why? Why? Inflation? <laughs> Why? Like, I don't, I just, I, okay. All right. I understand that a lot of these are like collectibles and I can understand maybe tacking like $20 onto the price tag. But at the end of the day, these are like working machines that people are going to, have their hands on and hopefully use. I mean, there are people out there that buy this stuff and just like preserve them and have them. Both ways of owning these things are equally valid. But that's a lot of money for a controller. I agree. What? It's <laughs> it's it's kind of a tough pill to swallow for me because and I reached out to Razor's PR team and I said. <clears throat> Can you explain to me why the $180 price tag? Is it just because it's a licensed Star Wars controller? Because I feel like Star Wars licensed stuff isn't typically like that crazy of a markup over the yeah. original price. I mean, because it's more than double. Yeah, so currently available on Amazon, the Razer Stormtrooper Xbox controller is $199.99. But you can get the Mandalorian controller and the quick charging bundle for $139.99 as on sale for the Star Wars Day celebration. 
Aja can get the Boba Fett one as well because they've both been out for a little while. But That's a lot of money. And I know that they come with the, the charging dock, but like, I don't know. Maybe that's why the charging dock can't be that much more. Ugh. Is this inflation? Is this inflation coming coming for our games? You are excused. I remember, I remember like behind me, somewhere behind me in this mass of like garbage and toys that I call my office. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the, I have the Final Fantasy 15 and the Kingdom Hearts 3 somewhere over here, uh, PlayStation 4s. And I remember when I bought them, they were like literally maybe $20, $30 more than the than the the base model. So it's like you're getting the machine, but it has the skin on it. These controllers are the same. I just don't understand why I'm like I am so boggled. I'm boggled. Boggled right now. I don't know why he would double double something like that. I mean, I, I really don't want to be like they're taking advantage of like the popularity and stuff, which might also be it. But like, that's a lot for a controller. That's a lot. Let me see if I can find what the price of the Xbox, the regular um, controller with the quick charge pad is. Yeah. Maybe we're just really off base. Maybe that whole thing I- is expensive. <laughs> Let's look. I don't know. For $179, I'd want the controller to be able to, like, make me a meal and please me sexually. Like, it has to do something other than, like... Listen, you know, you can't get what you don't ask for. That's... Exactly. <laughs> that, that is my motto. Oh, my God. Hilarious. It's a free idea, Xbox, by the way, if you want to make new style controllers. <laughs> so the Razer Universal Quick Charging Stand that they sell individually without the controller is $39.99. So okay. the controller itself is fifty nine ninety nine. So that's a hundred bucks. So the markup for it to be Star Wars skinned is a hundred bucks. No, no, <laughs> no, no. That's a lot. This re- this reminds me of the the Disney scalpers that go to Disneyland and buy a ten dollar pin and sell it on eBay for two hundred dollars. Yeah. <sighs> no. <laughs> well, you know, I guess we'll. Uh, just have to wait for a sale but they look cool so if you're into it and you want it and you're worried that they might sell out as i always like to say you do you boo spend your money i just was hoping that razor would maybe bring the price down a little bit i guess that star wars license be costing them a lot of money so that's all i've got for for star wars uh let's continue on shall we with the bigger news of the week i should say i was gonna say the biggest but baby because it's wednesday there might be bigger news that we don't know about square enix has sold some stuff some kind of important stuff and they've sold it to embracer group so if you guys missed the news Embracer Group bought three studios from Square Enix. The transaction included Square Enix Montreal, Eidos Montreal, and Crystal. Crystal Dynamics. Thank you. (laughs) I like have it buried in in this story in in, in my news. So these three studios obviously are home to a bunch of current and legacy franchises most notably the one that was just announced tomb raider is going to be having its next installment partnered with unreal 5 so we know that crystal is working on that um idos just had marvel's guardians of the galaxy which won a bunch of awards um earlier this year and last year and of course we know that i believe it's crystal that's also still 
working on Perfect Dark with the initiative at Microsoft? I believe so. Yes. Um, so we haven't really heard anything from Deus Ex as a franchise, but that's also mm-hmm. in the mix. I'm not going to list out all of the different IPs that were part of this deal, but I wanted to read a little bit from Jonathan Dornbush of IGN's article that he wrote titled Square Enix's Embracer Sale is certainly surprising, but it could be a good thing. And I think that this is an interesting perspective that he has because my first reaction, Alexa, when I heard the $300 million price tag that Embracer bought these three mm. studios and their IP for, I was a little flabbergasted at how low that seemed. Oh, same. Yeah, that's low. That's low for what they're getting, like the legacy IP and also three studios. Like that's that's nothing for three studios. Yeah. And there were a lot of interesting takes flying around on Twitter from all kinds of different people. And Jonathan quotes a couple of them here. So I'm just going to go ahead and dive into parts of his article that I wanted to highlight. So he starts by saying these days, video game company acquisitions have become a routine part of the news cycle. And we tend to talk about them in billions. Look at the mega deal, like Xbox's $68.7 billion Activision Blizzard acquisition, Sony's $3.6 billion acquisition of Bungie, and the handful of other billions of dollar deals that seem to be the norm in 2022. So the latest acquisition headline is surprising, at least at first glance, because the number involved is so much lower than we've come to expect. A Bracer group acquiring three Square Enix studios and their major franchises, Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, and more, for only $300 million. For long-running, critically acclaimed studios and their decades-long-running series, that number, especially compared to other acquisitions, seems like a steal, right? Yeah. It does seem like a steal, indeed. So I wanted to take a quick aside here from... Jonathan's article to read a little bit about Square's reasoning behind why they decided to make this deal in the first place. So they revealed earlier this week that the company is doing this to essentially in response to the adapting to the changes underway in the global business environment by establishing a more efficient allocation of resources, which will enhance corporate value by accelerating growth in the company's core businesses in the digital entertainment domain. In addition, the transaction enables the launch of new businesses by moving forward with investments in fields, including blockchain, AI, and the cloud. So I think, no, Once the blockchain. word blockchain, blockchain was thrown in there, the, the collective <sighs> internet just decided to table flip and be like, no, not the blockchain. Ah. Which is so weird because <laughs> I just came from Games Beat Summit last week that I was co-hosting with Danny Pena of, of Gamertag Radio, who's you know been on our show multiple times and who is wonderful. And we both got to hear a lot of talks about AI, the cloud, blockchain, the metaverse, and yes, NFTs mm-hmm. are also part of that conversation. And it's inescapable, everybody. If you're listening yep. to this podcast, you just need to somehow come to an agreement with yourself that you're just going to have to get over the idea that you don't like the blockchain and the metaverse. If that is you. The blockchain. The blockchain. Um, Maybe you're one of those people out there that's all about Web3 and Web3 is your thing and you think that it's the wave of the future and it's got all kinds of potential and possibilities because in honesty, it does. But of course, it's still problematic right now, which is the real problem. Um, And so I think that it's based off what I heard from people who are in charge of 
VC money, who are in charge of capital investments, who are the people making deals, everybody is in on blockchain, AI, yep. the metaverse, NFTs, and the cloud. Literally everybody. There's not a single company who hasn't had a meeting about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Has that been yep. your experience with the developers that you've talked to? So... No, weirdly, but I know that these conversations are happening like at the high, like the high, high, high level. And the thing is, blockchains, NFTs, wh whatever it is, can be like valuable, profitable and worthy investment if you are investing the time in it and doing it right. Like any of these things could take off. Like I know everyone is like, everyone is down on the blockchain, but like what happens when two years from now, it has been done correctly, really well. Some company has like cracked the code to making it, um, to making it something that is mass appeal and that has a lot of like followers and that can like garner, a, like garner a wider audience and integrate very smoothly. Then we're all going to be like, oh, oops. It's the same for games. Like, um, I'm trying to think of a game that everyone like poo poos and is like, oh, whatever. I feel like as Call adults, we're all like, a game that you oh, just yeah. happened to work on <laughs> or should I yeah, say like worked that. on worked on or like even something like Roblox like as adults all of us are like Roblox is for kids but you know how many kids are playing Roblox um I was with uh, a friend the other night and their child was with them and he's uh 8 years old and he was playing or seven years old, and he was playing Roblox on the iPad, and he's a millionaire in Roblox. He's got like a bajillion million like Roblox bucks, and he built like an empire. And I was like, oh, how did you get that much money? And then he proceeded to explain to me this like lengthy business plan that he had. Kid is seven years old. Like, it works, but like, we're gonna miss the wave if we don't pay attention to it now. And I'm not saying that like, oh my God, everyone like needs to be pro NFT. And I'm not saying that like, we should be angry at people that are pro NFT. I think as a, as a technological space, we all need to be open to whatever comes and like start thinking differently, critically thinking about stuff technically that way is no different than like writing a story and thinking about creative ways to get over like a certain plot point that you just can't seem to get past. So everyone does a lot of yelling and I feel like, mm-hmm. We need to do more listening. Oh, I like that. I like that. I also want to just call out that in a lot of these arguments that seem to happen in the same spaces online, there's a lot of like interchanging of some of these words. And yeah. just because a company is investing in the metaverse doesn't mean that they're also investing in NFTs, even though spoilers are probably. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I'd, I want to make that qualification that just because a company is investing in AI technology also doesn't mean that they are using AI and blockchain technology, but yeah. spoilers, they probably are. Um, but I just also <laughs> want to call that out. So, uh, in case you were curious, everybody, according to a website that I just pulled up backlinko.com, <laughs> Roblox user and growth stats for 2022, a apparently, as of April 2021, so this last year, Roblox had a milestone of 202 million monthly active users. Mm -hmm. 202 million. And according to their daily active users, 43.2 million daily active users. That is mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. Yeah. And 67% yeah. of their users are <laughs> under the age of 16. 
according yep. to these stats. So child billionaires. <sighs> hey, listen, I'm a millionaire in Animal Crossing. So I a have billionaire. a billionaire, I should say. I have all the bells and I'm doing literally nothing with them. I'm going to talk more about that in just a minute once we get to what we've been playing. <laughs> but I want to just continue on really quickly to kind of wrap up what we're talking about with this story. The reason I bring up this sale, because we really don't know much about what Embracer Group is going to do with the studios that they bought. But we do know that uh, development of Tomb Raider is going to continue on as planned mm -hmm. um, and that as of right now, it doesn't seem like anything is being canceled or shuttered and that Embracer obviously wants these people as part of their roster because they don't really have any other big breakout stars that do triple A's almost exclusively yeah. outside of Gearbox. But, you know, Gearbox just put out Tiny Tina's Wonderlands and we don't know when we're going to get another big game from Gearbox again soon. So it's probably going to be a while. So it's interesting to see kind of what's going to happen with this. I think all of these acquisitions that are happening are all leading to some kind of, you know, I don't want to say precipice. That's the wrong word. There's going to be like, I don't know. I'm hoping like a reckoning. Yeah. Something's going to happen because a lot of people are spending a lot of money and I don't happening. see, I don't see where the ROI is, right? Like where's the return yeah. on investment in all of these billions and millions that are being spent in the games industry in acquisition deals? Yeah. It's, it's, it's so two, two things. One about this deal specifically. And I feel like I said it on this show a bajillion million years ago. I may have, I may not have, but I feel like Square, I feel like this was inevitable. I feel like Square selling off its Western studios was inevitable. And a lot of the precursors to that were them kind of the way that they saw the sales of their games and the way that we saw sales of their games, like the Tomb Raider reboot was a hit, but to them it missed targets. Um, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy won a buttload of awards like for, you know, all, all of this stuff. And they're like, oh, it missed its sales targets. I feel like Square has been wanting to divest itself of its Western endeavors for a while and focus more on maybe the endeavors mentioned in their press release, but also around their Japan business because they're a lot of their very like i don't want to say i they're 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 jrpgs like their mobile stuff like a lot of that is becoming a little more mainstream like final fantasy isn't niche anymore kingdom hearts is starting to not be niche anymore and like dragon oh, quest same thing a lot of people a lot of people discovered dragon quest um in the last couple of years and or a lot of people I know personally like picked it up for the first time and were like, oh, my God, like this is great. And that series is lauded in Japan. And I think that maybe the concentration on mobile, on um, all the other things mentioned that people see as dubious. I think that the way that they've been talking about the game's sales targets in the West was a really big indicator that they may not want to. I don't want to say deal with them anymore. That's a bad way to put it. But they may want to like stop investing in 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 Tomb Raider and Marvel properties and whatever, you know, whatever, uh, whatever they decide to do. So I'm not terribly surprised to see this. The fact that they were willing to let it go for such a low price price point to me. I when I first read it, I looked at it and I was like, oh, this has to be a story typo. And then I saw 300 million everywhere. And I was like. Did somebody like fuck up in accounting? Like, did, did, is this, this has to be a mistake, but no, it's correct. And I, 
really wish I knew more about why that price point is so low. It kind of sounds like, to me, on the surface level, seeing that low price point makes me think, wow, they really wanted to divest these divest these properties. But I don't necessarily think that's the case. So maybe we'll get some more clarity down the line in another investor call or something. But I suspected this was going to happen a long time ago. So some of the people that came into my mentions with theories about why the price is so low quoted some of the recent revenue returns on some mm-hmm. of the investments, as you mentioned, didn't meet expectations. So I think what we don't see is what these actual budgets were, right? Like what the budgets for Guardians of the Galaxy exactly. was versus how much it actually sold, what the budgets mm-hmm. for Tomb Raider were versus what it actually sold. Even though the yep. Tomb Raider franchise overall has sold over 80 million copies in the reboot trilogy yeah. alone sold more than 35 million. 38 million, I think, was the number. Um, so yeah. it's like clearly these are selling games, but they don't necessarily translate into actual revenue because it depends on what the burn rate and the output of the studio is, right? So, you know, I was talking about this with my husband who's obviously been working in video games for decades and I just asked him, I was like, you know, can you even imagine, like, can you estimate like what the burn rate is for those three studios? And he's like, oh yeah, Yeah. it's crazy in the millions for that many employees to be making video games and not putting anything out or putting something out that doesn't sell to expectations. So um, Mm -hmm. it was interesting though, when you think about that, because I think sometimes we as consumers, people who aren't in the video games industry don't understand just how expensive burn rate is to keep a studio operational for three, four, yeah. five, six years at a time yeah. <laughs> before you put a game out, which is why live service games are becoming so popular because it's a way for studios to keep generating revenue while they're potentially working on a big thing in the background. They have a smaller team working on content that they can keep kicking out and keep charging. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's a, uh... I hope, I really hope, but I feel like inevitably there will be some layoffs, so. Well, let's hope uh, it doesn't come to that. Fingers crossed yeah. that Embracer is ready to support these embrace. studios, <laughs> embrace their studios, <laughs> and put out some some more good games. All right, let's keep yes. things moving, shall we? Yeah. But before we do that, I want to let you know that this episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by these wonderful sponsors. This episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by Me Undies. You know those days when your coffee shop is out of cold brew and the air conditioner breaks and you try to go to the beach but there's zero sparking spots? Yeah, life can be hard. But good thing Me Undies is here to help take a break from the hardships of the world and give yourself a soft summer. When you're cocooned in the softest, most breathable undies, loungewear, and swimwear known to humanity, all your other problems will simply melt away. I love MeUndies. We talk about them all the time here on What's Good Games. I actually just bought myself a new romper for the summer. If you haven't checked out their new casual loungewear from tank tops to dresses to jumpsuits, then I highly recommend you do. They help keep you nice and cool for the summer with that micromodal fabric. You're planning on relaxing to the max, right, this summer? I think we all are. It's been a hard year, everybody, and it's only May. (sighs) 
Summer, though, is sweaty, but your butt doesn't have to be. No one likes a sweaty butt. With me, Undies light and breathable micromodal fabric, you can stay comfy and cool all summer long. They have a selection of super fun seasonal prints and tons of styles to choose from in sizes extra small to 4XL so you can bring the beach to your butt without ever leaving your room. If you do dare to brave the heat and venture to the pool or the beach, check out their new and improved swimwear styles. They're soft and stretchy and sustainably made. Make it a soft summer with MeUndies. MeUndies has a great offer for our listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you'll get 15% off if you sign up for their free to join membership, you can apply that 15% off to their already discounted membership prices. That's a win-win. To get your 15% off your first order and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to meundies.com slash WGG. That's meundies.com slash WGG to get 15% off of your order and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. This episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Now, it's all about convenience with HelloFresh, which is why I keep ordering it week after week. Not only do the ingredients come pre-portioned, so I don't have to worry about overbuying or throwing away food, which we're all guilty of, but it's easier than ever to get filling meals on the table in a snap with options like family-friendly or the quick and easy recipes, which Britt and I talk about on the show all the time. The quick and easy, cheesy quesadilla. Ugh delicious. Pick your favorites from 50 weekly options and skip weeks when you need to. Change your delivery date or update your preferences all in the HelloFresh app. So I did this recently as I told you guys on the show last week. I went to my friend Rihanna and Danny's wedding so I knew I was going to be out of town so I just went in and skipped the delivery for that week and told them I got other plans. And Now I'm back on the train again and ready to start cooking. If you guys want to try America's number one meal kit for yourself, go to HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 16 and use code What's Good 16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 16 and use code Code what's good 16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. All right, let's continue on with just a couple extra news stories before we talk about what we've been playing. Genshin Impact, the other horny casino, has reportedly raked in over $3 billion since its release. So this write-up comes from Eurogamer. New data shows that the free-to-play Breath of the Wild like Genshin Impact has surpassed $3 billion in players spending worldwide for its mobile versions. Not a bad sum for a game that only released in September 2020. Wow, gosh, it does feel like it's been out longer than that. The pandemic black hole uh. time is like a real thing. Yes, correct. So the impressive figures come from Sensor Tower, with the company saying following its worldwide release, the title took 171 days to generate its first billion on mobile, not including spending from third-party Android stores. And it took an extra 195 days to accumulate the next billion, resulting in two billion in its first year alone. So it's averaged Damn. one billion dollars every six months, making it one of the most successful mobile games of all time. That's wild. That's wild to me. Yeah. That's a lot of money. That's that's a lot of people like hitting the re-up button. What is the thing you buy in Genshin Impact? Oh my God. I knew this. Again, I picked it up early in the pandemic and put it down again. 
Yeah. But. Oh Crap. Well, people you know what? like it. Somebody out there is like, I know what the thing is. I've spent $300 on that thing. Oh, I mean, boy. I'm not. Okay. I'm not saying that like spending money on digital things that don't exist is like crazy because as we all remember with me and fire emblem heroes i had a problem i had a really bad problem uh but that just seems like a lot of money and also like if they put this game out as like a like let's say they put this game out and it was like a regular like 60 dollar game that you could play multiplayer on or whatever i don't think it would have done as well as doing it on mobile of because course I it think, wouldn't have because i think that well also i think that this kind of art style the anime e art style so many people don't like it and are turned off by it and immediately look at it and go oh weeby game and then they bounce but when you have something like this on mobile the barrier yeah. of entry is so low people who maybe otherwise wouldn't check it out, heard Breath of the Wild, heard all that stuff about the Breath of the Wild similarities to it in the world map and all that stuff and gave it a try and then liked it. So I think putting this game on mobile is like the smartest decision that this team of developers has ever made. Yeah. I mean, clearly it's yeah. uh, literally paid off for them. So uh, congrats to that team and um, hope everybody's been enjoying all the content that they keep raking out. So a couple of quick in case you missed it. The Prince of Persia team dropped a tweet earlier about cha a change in the <laughs> your face, about a change in the development. So they said the development of Prince of Persia, the Sands of Time remake will now be led by Ubisoft Montreal, the very birthplace of the epic Sands of Time trilogy. The decision is an important step and the team and the building up. OK, sorry. The decision is an important step and the team Building upon the work achieved by Ubisoft Prune and Ubisoft Mumbai will now take the time they need to regroup on the scope of the game to deliver you the best experience for this remake of an all-time classic. When it's ready. <laughs> we want to thank you for all your continuous support and patience throughout the development. Rest assured, we will update you on the progress in a future update. So, but this, I want is, it. this is interesting to me. Hmm. I have already said... Yeah. Prince of Persia doesn't blow my skirt up. Maybe the remake. <laughs> I love that phrase. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't. My skirt is firmly in place. It's you know not blowing anywhere. But maybe the remake, once I see it, I'll be like, mm, okay, I feel a little breezy down mm -hmm. there. Let me uh, check it out and see how it goes. But I saw this and was like, oh, the fanboys and fangirls out there are going to get all in a tizzy. Are you, you one of those? Or were you one of those Prince of Persia-like enthusiasts? That I was heart. like, yes, bring it back. Uh, I was not a diehard, but I did enjoy it to the point where I would definitely play a remaster or a remake. Um, I feel like I would love to know what's going on over there at Ubisoft because so many of their games are just getting bounced around studios and are just like still sitting in the ether. Uh, where's Beyond Good and Evil 2? We've been singing that song for a while. Dude. Where's Skull and Bones? Like, I, and now we learned that this one, which was another one of their big cornerstone ones. That's not like a just dance or something is now being, being moved over to another studio, moving development of a game all the way over to an entire new studio indicates to me that there is a, 
either there's either maybe a lack of manpower or a change in available man, manpower or that studio was struggling to execute uh, either execute on the vision, either creatively or just straight up like technically. Um, and that is a speculation based on stuff I've experienced and learned and seen. That is not like a definite thing of what I think is happening, but I think it means that there is a change in some way. I think we can expect to see a change maybe in scope or in what they're doing with that, with that remaster or remake. Um, well, it's interesting that you brought that up because uh, the Game Informer article that talked a little bit more about the delay in addition to this Twitter announcement also mm -hmm. said the same thing. They wrote, in September of 2020, Ubisoft announced that it was remaking The Sands of Time, this time with Ubisoft... Is it Pune? Pune? I don't know how to say that. Uh, that place. And Ubisoft Mumbai. <laughs> um, originally set to release in January of 2021, Ubisoft revealed towards the end of 2020 that the remake had been delayed. Just three months later, Ubisoft announced that the Sands of Time was delayed indefinitely. And that's when fans began to wonder, what the heck is going on with this remake? Uh, it sounds mm. like the two studios couldn't get a grasp on it because now, of course, we know that the remake has been moved to Ubisoft Montreal, the original creator of the game, which to me feels like they should have maybe been the one doing it in the first place. But yeah, they must have had they must have had something else on their plate that prevented them from starting that project. But yeah, I know a lot of that, the Ubisoft that, studios work really closely together, so it's not yes. as bad yeah. as it completely moving to like a different publisher. That would be, yeah. I think, a really catastrophic change. We talked about this when the whole Telltale thing went down. And everyone yeah. was like, oh, somebody should buy them yeah. and pick up the de the development. And all the devs were like, that's not how things work. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. Yeah, it's the people. It's yeah. the it's it's not necessarily like just because you're getting like the IP doesn't mean that like all the people who like worked on it came with it. Maybe there's people at Ubisoft Montreal that have been there for a long time that maybe still like, you know, are still there that can work on this. Or it could be something as simple as like. I don't know, maybe they tried using a different engine for it and the team that was working on it like didn't couldn't grok the engine or or had some trouble like adapting or something. Or maybe it was just that studio now needs to go support another Ubisoft project. And so they took Prince of Persia and gave it to someone else who could complete it in a faster amount of time. Like there's so many reasons why this could have happened, but either way, it means delay. But I wouldn't be so concerned about it if Ubisoft didn't have a list of more than two projects that are kind of like hanging out in limbo. Yes. And haven't said anything about it in a while. Yep. Blech. I just want my BG need <laughs> to just tell me it's coming out or just never talk about it again. Don't, don't get my hopes up. UB. don't break do my it. heart now. Yeah. Just be like, Hey, so we're not making it anymore. Someone else can always like, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, 20, years from now like the new and the the new wave of developers that are coming in now like the young people out of college will be in a position where they can be like hey let's finally make beyond good and evil evil too but if you don't have the stuff to make it like maybe maybe don't force it maybe or maybe tell us you're taking a break from incubating it or working on it or whatever you're doing but like i would just love some news because yeah. i care about that game too and i want it and there's nothing exactly <laughs> 
Another quick news item that happened late last week, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 was officially announced with a logo reveal. (laughs) Obviously, this is the time of year for Call of Duty leaks, and this was like the worst kept secret of all time. Yeah. It's like Call of Duty just can't ever keep their stuff secret. I think a lot of it has to do, in my personal opinion, this is just the Andrea Renee theory, is that they love to work with influencers, particularly professional athletes, ahead of the official release and then the athletes usually have like an entourage of people around them and i doubt everybody signed the nda or if they did they don't really know what they signed somebody shows somebody on someone's phone and bam the internet knows um it's just my personal (laughs) my personal theory not saying that's what happens but you know when you yeah. I mean, when you have groups that big or that many people and like also at some point, if you feel like you're just I mean, if you feel like you're too big for someone to go after or if you truly give no fucks, like you can you just break that NDA. Whatever. Like they probably or they probably didn't even think about it. Or yeah. like you said, it was probably like someone who knows a person who knows a person who knows a person who was with them, who like heard it and then like showed it to someone on their phone or posted it or just don't care like you're so far removed yeah but yeah whatever (laughs) the official reveal is probably coming it's rumored to be coming at the end of the month the the date of may 30th has been tossed around which would be memorial day a weird day (laughs) to to do a reveal on a holiday yeah that tuesday after though could be a good time for them to do it but the week before feels more in line with what Activision has been doing with their Call of Duty reveals. So um, definitely we'll keep tabs on it. I really enjoyed the reboot of Modern Warfare that Infinity War did. And I have no doubt that Modern Warfare 2 will look just as snazzy and beautiful and great. And people will have lots of things to say about it, both good and bad, but probably mostly bad because people love to hate Call of Duty. Yet it keeps selling like gangbusters. So truly, Mm -hmm. not everybody hates (laughs) Call of Duty. Um, And that's all we're going to say about that because I know Alexa can't talk about it anyway. So Mm -mm. (laughs) um, moving on, um, there's not really any other in case you missed it that I want to highlight at this time. So we're just going to go ahead and jump right into what we've been playing. And it turns out that (laughs) Alexa Ray and I have been playing the same thing that hopefully you guys have tested out. Nintendo Switch Sports. It's back, everybody. How many times have you called it Wii Sports? Be honest with yourself. Every time. Every time. Every time. (laughs) But let's also be honest. If they had just been like, hi, we took Wii Sports and we just ported the same damn thing and put it on the Switch, I'd buy it and I'd play it. I'd pay full price. Full price. Full price. I would would pay full price and I would uh, play the shit out of it. So... If you guys missed Wii Sports somehow, I'm not sure how, because it is still the highest selling game of all time. Um, Essentially, it's a set of mini games that either can be played with the Joy-Cons or formerly the Wiimotes, um, or you can use motion controls if you would like. So I have pros and cons for doing it both ways, but I just liked to cheese it with the Wiimotes back in the day. And I haven't quite got my cheesing techniques down with the (laughs) Joy-Cons yet because it's a little different. The thing that's really hanging me up, Alexa, is Mm -hmm. the bowling, the release of the trigger button. Oh, yes. 
I Why? every time every time <laughs> I'm th- going to throw the ball, it like doesn't actually release the ball, and I'm like, damn it, throw the ball. <laughs> And I'm not sure why. Yeah, I don't know. But I'm glad I'm not the only one that's, going been, on that's there. been struggling with this. But it's, you know, one of several mini games. You know, tennis makes a return, which is great. I tried the leg strap out with soccer. Oh, no. Um, absolutely not. No? Absolutely you, not. No, no, you're not into the leg strap? <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I hate it so much. I don't, I just, I just, the soccer. Also, we have like a... We have a fairly decent sized living room, I would say. And between me and my like fiance, it's still like, it's like soccer is a bit, it's a bit cumbersome. Well, he's so a, we don't play he's soccer a tall as much. person too. So he's a large, a large, tall tree man. Yeah. <laughs> a large, tall tree man. <laughs> tree like man. Very big. Um, so <laughs> the one game that I really wasn't anticipating it being as challenging as it was, though, volleyball. Like, I played yeah. volleyball, and I was like, I got this. But I think it's the constant changing of positions yeah. that keeps mm-hmm. tripping me up because I'm like, okay, I'm going to be ready. And then it's like, okay, get ready to bump. Get ready to spike. Now you got to set. And I was just like, oh, no, <laughs> this is too many. I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> it's very it moves very fast it's like the 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 thing that made we sports i think so good is like it was regular sports but on steroids like just absolutely like how how can we keep the game what it is and yet also make it mildly infuriating so like you keep playing i also the i don't know if it's like i don't know the volleyball also tires me out a lot it's a lot of movement it's a lot of (laughs) It's I a mean, lot of this. It does feel athletic, that's for sure. But yeah. it is a sports game that you play on your feet, though. But you knew what you were getting into, right? Yes, I love it. But the bowling, I'd say we've played bowling, I think, more than any of them. But also, I just somehow still have not been able to manage that release weirdly. It's like a weird... Yeah, eh. I... I don't I don't know what it is either. It's just so nice strap. um I, I will say I felt really powerful the first time I did the shootout that th- I beat the AI mm-hmm. and maybe it was because she missed all of her shots except for one. I don't know <laughs> what happened. She even missed the golden ball that came, which is worth like double points or whatnot, triple points. Um but I had thought that there would be more uses for the leg strap and there aren't really that yeah. many. A lot of the games are um, sports that you play with your hands or your arms. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's, that also confuses me. Like, why? The accessory is only good for one game. Maybe, like, I don't know why they would do that. That seems weird. But I feel like maybe down the line, like, I can definitely see Nintendo adding more to this. Like, adding, like, maybe in, like, six months or a year as, like, another... Kind of like how they patched Mario Kart and all that Mario Party. Like, oh, we've added this, we've added this. But I don't actually know what they would add. Like, could they could add, like, track and have you, like, run run frantically in place or something? I mean, didn't or they do they that? would they add, like... I feel like they did that with one of, did the, they? one of the Wii U games. Wasn't it one of the, like, the mini games where you had to do that? Wait a minute. I think you're right. Dude, I swear. Well, they, I don't want to do thing. that anymore, so don't add that. <laughs> you're like, no running in place, please. No, um, I don't run. I do like... <laughs> Not a runner. 
that they gave some more customization options for your mm-hmm. little avatar, which is fun. Why is it? Why is it not a me? I I don't know. Like this is super cute. I love this. This gives me like Bratz Animal Crossing vibes. Well, you can import your me though, can't you? Right. They yeah, but I just don't know. I just don't know why the me was not the default. Like I like this. This is cool. It's an interesting choice. But it's like, why would the me not just be the default? Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a good question. I do think it would have paid like a lot more like homage to the original if they had just brought everybody's me in, um, and then allowed you to pick, you know, this other um, chibi character if they if you wanted to. Um, yeah, but, but then they had to develop this whole new character. They had to develop the art, all that customization. Well, they probably wanted like, to show okay. that the Nintendo Switch has more polygons than the Wii. But but we love those we love those polygons. <laughs> we love our little those blocky me shitty me polygons. <laughs> Give it back. I wonder. I wonder if like I like it. It's cute. Don't get me wrong. But I wonder like I don't know. Like I miss the me. I miss it. I miss my me. I know you yeah. still have it and like your you can have it in your in your profile picture and all that stuff. But like I feel like I don't do much with my me anymore. I feel like no, we don't really have a the, lot of opportunities the plaza to connect. Is gone. Like, <laughs> I, I know. think I think the era of the Nintendo 3DS when I was always on the the me plaza and mm-hmm. doing exchanges with people, playing those dumb puzzle games and all the things that you did. Like I think that really got us connected to our me characters and then obviously with the with the Wii as well I mean so much of the the Wii was centered around that and then Wii U kind of you know obviously came and went um pretty unceremoniously and then when the switch came like the me's were like nowhere to be found right like there was not really any kind of integration with your me character except your profile picture which is a static image yeah Yeah, it would be me right I think it would be cool if they brought back the plaza in some way. I know that, you know, with the pandemic, there's not as much like meeting up of people, but if they gave us like a virtual yeah. way some t- uh, to like have more interaction, there was a, what was the game? The mobile game Metopia? I think it was. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. I, I definitely fucked with Metopia. Like Metopia was, it was, it was, it was a, like having that physical visualization of you socializing with people and seeing people. Like I don't go into my, Nintendo Switch friends list and like just peruse my friends. Half people on there, I don't even know who they are because they're just like a bunch of random like usernames. So unless they have their me up, I don't know who they are. So like, I miss that. I miss it. Yeah. We miss the randomness of it. Bring it back, Nintendo. Um, Please. Just just to give people a quick like overview, because I know we talked a little bit about some of the favorites that we were playing. There are a total of six sports you can play, soccer, volleyball, bowling, tennis, badminton, and chambara, which is sword play, using the Joy-Con mm. controllers. Um, you can, of course, curve your bowling ball or add spin to tennis just like you would with the Wiimote back in the day. And then, as I mentioned, the leg strap accessory to play that one mini game underneath the soccer games, which is weird. Um Plus, a seventh sport is planned to be added via a free update this fall, which is where I opened the game up. Because I, to be clear to everybody, Nintendo did send me a code for this game, but I didn't look at it ahead of time because I was like, Nintendo Switch Sports, like, can't be that hard to figure out. And then I opened the game and was like, where the fuck is golf? Golf was my favorite. Where is it? Apparently, it's being added in a free update this fall. Why it wasn't Mm -hmm. included? I don't know. 
maybe they're like that was their baby and they're just spending more time refining it so it's like maybe it wasn't ready they were like we got to get this we got to get this this sports out the door but we got to keep working on golf maybe they heard my very vocal criticism of mario golf super rush and just oh my God, how sad oh. those courses were and they're like listen we've got to make sure andrea renee doesn't hate Nintendo Switch sports golf courses. Let's put them back in the I, pipeline. Redo them, everybody. I feel like with Mar with those Mario <laughs> games, you get like a you get a little bit of grace, but like not enough. There's not not enough, not enough. So yeah. maybe they did. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, I have to be honest. Uh, that's all I've really been playing. Um, just a little bit of sports action um, because I have you know just been been busy with life um your mom yeah you know baby this mom baby stuff. that um but i did tweet, and hosting yeah well you know game speed summit did happen last week that did take some energy and effort hope everybody mm -hmm. got a chance to check it out and if you didn't you can go to gamesbeat.com and watch some of the um things that were recorded there's some really good talks there so i wanted to ask you a couple questions so i tweeted out that you were going to be on the show <laughs> and i got a couple of people who wrote back one of the questions is from at Insipid Ghost, who writes, can you please ask her what's her most memorable career moment have, ha, excuse me, <laughs> can you please ask her what her most memorable career moment has been since leaving What's Good Games? How has she changed as a professional? So this is kind of a big question because you've done a lot since you left us. <laughs> good God, good damn. Yeah. Oh, my God. I also remember telling you when i was leaving it was outside of soul cycle <laughs> i remember that day. why did you have to bring that up i tried I to bury that in. day in my existence also i, I miss going, going i miss going to spin with you i miss going to like workout classes with other people i haven't been to one um since pre-pandemic but um but yeah we used to work out together everybody when we lived oh, in yeah. the same city and now we live hundreds of miles away anyway Man. back to insipid ghost question well uh i I started my career in games as a journalist, and now I'm a narrative designer, which is a very unconventional pathway through. Um, I feel like I was always a storyteller. I feel like I just discovered I was a good storyteller for games and kind of set me on that path. Most memorable career moment, like, in the past couple years? What have I done? What year is it? I know we were talking about this earlier. It's the, May the 2022. It's May 2022. We had you on I'm the a... show earlier this year to talk about a game that you helped write called oh, yeah. Aztec, Aztec. The Forgot Forgotten Gods. You worked on that. You that... also, since leaving What's Good <sighs> Games, worked on the localization team at Nintendo of America. I was on the, uh, no, I was on their communications team. Communications not team, not the localization <laughs> team. My bad. I... No, it's okay. Uh, I you okay, also we were about the helped Black write hole. a game called Bug Snacks. I did, and all of those things are pretty great. Also, are on a podcast about Kingdom Hearts. I am. This is not. Oh God, that's okay. just a couple things that are coming off the top of the dome here. I did, and I and I did publish a book about Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, a lot has happened in in my career. Um. I have definitely ended up, though, like, not maybe this professional journey has put me in a lot of 
really weird, interesting situations. And I think this is not a professional achievement. This is a situation I ended up in because of my profession. At E3, the year I was still with Nintendo, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto stole a churro off my plate. Well, he asked me, and then he took it. <laughs> so he didn't steal it. He asked you if he could well, have one. He was like, he was like, we didn't, there was no, there was, it was nonverbal communication. And I was taking photos with him of him around E3. And I had set up like a thing and I had like a little thing of churros that was mine. And he was like, and I was like, yeah, go ahead. And he like, thank you. And like took it and ran away. And I was just like, Sierra Miyamoto just stole a chur- took a churro for me. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew it was that very he liked churros? It was, it was very sweet. Like he's a very like sweet chill dude, but like. I, I just when I when I think of like all of the weird places my career has brought me from like being, you know, like working booths at E3 to like doing consulting stuff to like being in in sitting in the in the room and with developers in states and countries that I never thought I'd ever want to visit like Utah. Like I just I it's weird. So I have a lot of like really interesting memories. Maybe someday I'll write a memoir. Yeah, but I would say whenever your NDAs expire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I I do have a a a Google Doc spreadsheet tracking. I do track all of my NDAs. So I mean, that is what a responsible <laughs> person would do. I I don't know who would just sign them and save them in a folder and forget about them forever. No. <laughs> who does that? Not yeah. me. <laughs> no, I definitely keep track of all of them. Uh, anyway, <laughs> enough about me. Thank you for your question, Insipid Ghost. Uh, another question from Psyduck in Disguise. <laughs> I like it. I love Alexa's energy and how she has exact Aww, words thanks. that I'd like to say when talking about games, especially Kingdom Hearts. I Aww. have a powerlifting question. Yes, hit me. How do you keep up with your training during bad mental health days? Oh, good golly gosh. That's like 50% of my days. So I, uh, I've been really open. I have, I have an anxiety disorder. I struggle with that. On days when I'm like, I feel poopy and poopy is the correct word. Um, I always think about the way that I feel when I'm done doing, doing a lift or having a lift day. Um, and when I'm done, like I go and I do my lift. I had ever, the way I do it is I come in, I warm up. You take some time to like stretch, roll out, address where your body hurts and then do your lift. And then I also do a little bit of accessory work on the side. So like if I'm doing a back squat afterwards, I might do like some weighted single leg lunges or something like that to just keep my muscles moving and take advantage of them while they're warm. But on the days and after that, I leave and I feel I feel accomplished. I feel happy when you work out. There's that serotonin flood that happens that like makes you feel really calm and peaceful. And for me on days when I'm having a bad mental health day and I'm thinking about skipping, I know that I'll feel worse if I don't take that opportunity to take care of myself. And like for me, like powerlifting is another form of self-care, like taking care of my body, getting stronger. Um, It's a hobby I enjoy. And it's sort of like my yoga. Like it's a really zen one hour of the day where like I said, I'm addressing, you know, addressing what's in my body. I love to take a long time to stretch and think about like just really taking care of like all my parts and then just like absolutely going for it. And for me, like there is a very like the way you feel after you've just like 
lifted 270 pounds off the ground and put it down again is a really nice feeling. So my advice to you would be think about the way you feel when you're done and uh, chase that feeling. Know that when you do it, you will definitely feel a little bit better and you'll have accomplished something. And that time that you spend doing it is distinctly for you. It is just for you. It is a gift that you give to yourself. And that's what I tell myself on days when I feel like I just want to stay home and eat pizza rolls. <laughs> that is really wonderful advice. I think it's something that we all could benefit from hearing and reminding ourselves because May is also Mental Health Awareness Month in case people it is. Uh, weren't aware of that. And sometimes I think we forget about ourselves and how important mental health is, especially mm. in these very trying times that we live in. Yes. Very trying times this week has been has been a thing this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, well, thank you to y'all for writing in with your questions. I could obviously keep talking to you, Alex Ray, uh, from now until the end of time, but <laughs> we don't have all of that time. So thank you for coming back on the show with me this week. It yeah. was great to see you and great to chat with you. And I am wishing you the best of luck at your next weightlifting meet, which is happening, what, soon, right? Next weekend? The 14th. Oh, exciting. Yeah. So I don't know how weightlifting meets work. Are they like track meets where there's a bunch of individual events and you kind of compete in one thing and then you wait a while and then you compete in another thing and you wait a while? Yeah. So the way that the, – yeah, the way that they work is like – Everyone is divided into into uh, grouping. It is the way that you are you are scored is on the percentage that you lift in relation to your body weight. There's an equation that I completely can't remember off the top of my head, and it's like how much you push or pull. So like depending on like what your like mass is, like how much mass you are moving, and so they group us based on. Uh, previous performance and if you're just starting they group you kind of based on like what you've for me like my trainers group me based on what I've been lifting like in class and with them and and stuff like that and then you go um like one at a time like the first flight will do typically it's a uh, squat first so you do you do your squat first then you wait a little while and then you do your bench press and then you always end with your deadlift because the deadlift is the weight where people just naturally because it's just picking something up you're not you're not putting it on your body you're not pushing it um you can lift a lot more at the meet that i was at a couple weeks ago somebody lifted it was a, a very buff dude in a captain america onesie uh lifted 510 pounds which was crazy to me that is a lot of weight that is a that is a lot of weight but yeah it's kind of like uh it's kind of like those meets um for my Last one, I was in like the middle, middle flight, but now I'm in, there's three flights and the third flight is the experienced people who have already been able to push and pull above a certain percentage threshold of their weight. So I'm in that third flight now. So I'm like final grouping, like expected to lift the heaviest and I'm just like, okay, pressure's on. Yeah. <laughs> you got this. I believe in yeah. you. We all believe be in fun. you. You've been training for this moment. You're going to crush it. I love it. It's fun. Yeah. Highly yeah. recommend. Awesome. Well, thank you for, for that knowledge. I've never watched a weightlifting meet before, and I've never personally competed in one. And um, I feel like I learned something today. So thank you. Hey. 
And I know we have one more question, and we probably should have talked about it when we were talking about Star Wars, but if you would like to answer oh, it, yeah. we can quickly, because I do have to go because I hear baby. But um, at Nick, a.k.a. the Time Miser, writes and says, what to hope for, oh, I think maybe, what do you hope for in a future Star Wars games, i.e. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order 2, uh, KOTOR Remaster, Captain Phasma base game, question mark? I want a game where you play as Chopper from Star Wars Rebels and you just destroy shit. Like, you just cause the max amount of chaos. That's it. That sounds fun. That's what I want. <laughs> I like it. So are you thinking of it like a like a brawler or are you thinking of it more like um I want like an action adventure game where you play as this droid. Okay. That's it. I want it. And I want I want like the HUD. It can be first person maybe or third person. I'll take either. But he is like the most chaotic, like he's this droid is a war criminal. Like he's the most chaotic character in all of Star Wars history, and I think he deserves his own game. Look at that. Just throwing down the gauntlet. <laughs> Maybe somebody at Lucasfilm is is listening to the show and will be like, that Please is a genius idea. We should, we should make that happen. Um, <laughs> I don't know anybody that works on stuff for Lucasfilm games. <laughs> no. No, me neither. Who could that, Where do you find those people? Who could that <laughs> be? I don't know. Um, but thank you again for coming on the show with me this week. It was great to see you friend. And if people want to keep up with everything that you've got going on, including this secret announcement that's coming at some point, where's the best place to follow you? Follow me on Twitter at Alexa Ray C. Um, and you can also hear me on unlocking kingdom hearts run by Cameron Hawkins. We're playing through all of the kingdom hearts games this year and discussing them in honor of the 20th anniversary. Very exciting. You can find that podcast wherever you listen to What's Good Games. So mm -hmm. be sure if you are into Kingdom Hearts, you add that to your weekly listens. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We will have more news and info for you next week when Brittany is back on our five-year anniversary. Details to come. But for now, enjoy your weekend. Bye. <laughs>